0: Welcome to the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, hit the like button, or any subscribes. It really helps us with the algorithms. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is produced by the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. All opinions are those of the speakers. We invite you to join us on the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at SCGCPF for more fun. Now, let's get on with this installment of Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Hello, everyone. We'd like to welcome you to the 56th Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum podcast. Today, we're joined by Mr. Hoover and Rick Barto from Santa Cruz Guitar Company. So we're going to get a little bit of overview on the uh, current latest Nam uh, show, which it looks like everybody's kind of recovered from now. And uh, then we're going to talk, talk some strings. So string us up. Uh, welcome, everybody.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. There you are. So, Richard, strings. Um, we uh uh, we're really on a roll with uh with our strings. You know, you know, historically, now it's almost the better part of two decades that we worked on the development of this uh, project, Uh, and the purpose of it was to make strings for our guitars that that were uh, as good as our guitars. And this isn't a dismissal of any company out there that makes strings, it's just they feed the market that they think uh, uh, the market demand they think is exists out there and they think guitar players are cheap. And I've said this before, where a violin player Pays uh, you know maybe 120 bucks for four strings. We want them for ten or fifteen dollars, and that's what we get. <laughs> we needed a hundred dollar string for our guitars, and uh, you know through uh, associations with uh, Stanford Graduate Acoustics Physics Program, uh, the Naval Postgraduate School. Of- physics program and people in the industry. And one of the one of the things that was uh, remarkably easy was to talk to people I already know in, in major string manufacturers and ask them what would they do if price wasn't an object? You know, what kind of improvements would they do if they thought people could pay for it? Uh, that combined with a just more proficient manufacturing and the principle that we had of um, a cohesive tension on the strings so that they work more efficiently to pull the bridge to give better volume. Uh, the tension's arranged so it's easier to play and more logical to play. And it turns out that the uh, precision of manufacture Uh, gives us about three times the tonal life of the string uh, than uh, just coding them does. So we've got a big hit in our hands and we've extended from our our, uh, low and mid tensions to uh, dadgad baritone 12 string. And what's new, um, I'd like to let uh, Rick give you a little science background on uh, the uh, dad developed the dad gad set, which was a real need uh, to introduce Rick to others. Rick has been uh, with me a long time, he's my right hand guy. His official title is Vice President of Operations, and uh, um, uh, he knows his stuff. So let's hear about the dad gad set, Rick.
2: Thanks for the introduction, Richard. Um, yeah, the dad gad set was actually the one of the easier ones for us to develop as an offshoot of our low and mid tensions, simply because uh the low and mid tensions, we already came up with the science on what the tensions of each string should be. And with DadGad, what happens is as you uh, drop the tunings of those few strings, uh you lose tension, obviously. Those strings become those strings become more slack. So it was a very simple idea. You just add that tension that you lost back into the string by changing the quarter wrap ratio and uh, and basically just bringing it back to where the low and mid-tension strings uh, were at to begin with. Um, so if, say you were to put the Dadgad strings on your guitar and just go to standard tuning, you actually have much more tension than uh, our low and mid. Uh, so that's the whole point. So Dadgad was relatively easy, easy to develop. And uh, it was a fun one. Um, And, uh, you know, the whole like Richard said, the whole point is that the strings uh, feel uh, like it takes the same amount of energy for you to press your finger and fret the string. Uh, You don't want one string to feel more tense than another might trip you up when you're, you know, playing some lead or uh, even strumming some chords um, with your fingers in different positions. Uh, And also uh, that the strings uh, sound the same to your ears, no matter which string you're plucking. Meaning um, we hear different pitches at, uh, at, at different levels. So, Uh, The human ear is actually designed to hear higher pitches uh, better than than lower. Uh, You know, some may say that it's through evolution of uh, babies crying or, uh, you know, uh, hearing things in the woods, things like that. But really what that means is even if you were to look at the decibel range of, um, you know, your low E and your high E, and say it's coming off exactly the same. It, it's technically uh, 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 screaming at the same loudness. Well we actually hear that high E better than the low E. So it sounds louder to us, even though it's at the same loudness. So what we do is we uh, adjust for the equal loudness contours to make sure that each string sounds as loud as the other so that it's not overpowering um, any other string on the guitar. And that really helps the tuning of our guitars come through and what we do to um, you know change the EQ of your Uh, of the guitar itself versus the strings, adding an additional element that is hard for us to control. Um, So again, Dadgad was fun and and relatively easy.
1: I love the Rick, what you were talking about with to, you know, so the Dadgad set or any open tuning, you're lowering strings and you're losing tension, you're losing volume and just integrity of sound. So to add the tension lost, at the, uh, back into it at the same tuning and the same gauge of string. And you told that what that trick was. You just closed the uh, proprietary secret here, which is you can alter the ratio of the quarter wrap of the same size string and alter the tension, which increases the volume and changes the feel. And with that, this is why we call these mid-tension or low tension, to get people to pay attention to when we, when you look at the gauges of these strings, they're not much different than another set of a, of a medium gauge, let's say, but the tensions are, are radically different on those. Um, we do supply the tensions if people, need them, but they're confusing, uh, because for instance, a, uh, 0.022 0.022 string is actually fractional. It's, it's in between 022 and 023. So it's 022 and a half, right? So try explaining that over and over again to everybody that calls. So uh, hopefully uh, people learn as we go here and understand why the benefit, uh, there's a great benefit to these strings. That again, we developed for our guitars, but they work for every guitar. And uh, we uh, we decided to sell them so we can get the scale up, and it costs less money to make.
3: So you have the low and the mid tension in the standard tuning. Do you also offer low and mid in the dadgad, or is there only one tension in we the
2: do. dadgad?
1: Yeah, we do. Uh, the only one, I think, uh, if I'm correct, uh, Rick, we didn't offer a uh, mid and low in the 12-string set.
2: That is correct. Tone has a mid and low dadgad has a mid and low uh 12 string does not it was just a little too cumbersome and also because there's double the amount of strings um we found that it's it it didn't really have that much of a difference in the feel or the sound to offer the mid and low um you know it, it, we really only needed one set for the 12 string
0: it, it, it's uh that's um it, that's pretty big news i mean we didn't know that there was mid and lows for the baritones or the dadgads, which is a right. great, you know, which is a great thing to to pump out there. But I, 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 reading some of the forums and and I think I think you guys were way ahead of your of your time on this because all of a sudden you know we're starting to see other string manufacturers sell some pretty expensive acoustic guitar strings, you know. And I, I think you guys were just ahead of the game on that. But when you when you look at what people are saying on the forum, those tensions, which other manufacturers do print, are very confusing to people. They 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 just they look at the tension and they go, Well, why isn't this like this without the the background, the physics background of understanding, you know, that what you guys are, are telling us
3: here, which it's I t- These guys are pulling the black magic out of the business. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Uh, uh, Richard, that's
1: a beautiful thing that you said. Uh, That's exactly parallel with what we did to guitar making over the last 50 years. Um, uh, When we started out, uh, uh, Gibson and uh, Martin made acoustic guitars, not humans. And uh, and people had gotten used, especially you know, uh, into the '70s and so forth. It was like guitars were dumbed down, and uh, but that's what people could buy. And when we came up with the violin equivalent of the acoustic guitar, it was a hard sell, and it took a long time to get uh, to get credit from or credible really. And today we see that that the largest manufacturers Yamaha, Samick, uh, on down to other boutique makers have used our principles to improve their guitars and move forward. So it we were way ahead of our time, and it's it's miraculous we didn't go out of business trying to push this. <laughs> and today we reap the benefits of it. And that's in fact that's one of the things I wanted to use in our. Uh, uh, presentation or marketing of the strings is, you know look what Santa Cruz did to the acoustic guitar. Imagine what we could do with the strings and we approach them the same way as like uh, continuing improvement. Why not better? Um, uh, anything that we can't make that goes along with our guitar, strings, tuners, cases. Uh, we design and have made for us. Because the mass market is not made to the highest caliber, right? And sometimes you don't even have an offering for the super good stuff. So it's not a boast that we're better uh, than any, anybody else. It's just that we took the risk and, and went forward, did it, did it right, did it the best, and here we are. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a boast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a fair one, though.
1: Yeah, but that's what we do. Um, and uh, luckily, it's worked. Uh, we uh, sometimes we still get the people like, "How do you sleep at night charging so much for a guitar? You can buy a guitar for five hundred dollars." Um, is is the uh, uh, the continuous improvement? You know, uh, there you can always improve on things, whether inspiration or technological breakthroughs, and that's what we do as a company. And I'm really thrilled to have this project with Strings come to fruition.
0: So. Uh, one of the questions on the forum and and um apparently it's a rage right now is uh M-O-N-E-L. uh M O N
1: Oh Manel or yeah
0: uh you don't see that in your future.
1: Uh no, here here's the thing. First, I'll give you the take on Manel. That's how I pronounce it right or wrong. Um uh is we are not in the string business. There is plenty of brands of strings. The world doesn't need another brand of strings. What we needed and other people needed just a way upgrade into a real professional uh, 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 tool for your instrument to make it work. And uh, we only sell them to support our cause and try to get the scale up and the cost down of making the sets of strings. If we, you know, we make uh, under 500 guitars a year. If we ordered 500 sets of strings uh, custom, can you imagine? I mean, I think they'd be like $500 a set. Right. Yeah, so perfect. when we can scale this, we can get our costs down and everybody else can benefit from our research. Right. So we use, uh, uh, you know, it's not really a proprietary uh, uh, alloy, uh, but it's unusual. Um, and the the manel, you know, so we have phosphor bronze, uh, uh, 8020, whatever. Phosphor frost, frost bronze, I really believe, was a marketing term that came up to uh, set set a certain brand of strings apart has become a common thing. Now, Manil uh, Manil is something that came out from Martin in the 60s, right? They had a set of Manil strings. And I remember trying them out Uh, at that time, uh, without near as much a sophisticated ear or the experience of what I was listening to. But I remember at the time thinking, wow, you know, I wonder what the deal is about these. They sound different, but they're not like, um, uh, they don't sound like new strings. I wonder why. And then I I think they were a marketing failure, personal observation, and they went away. And then they came back. And uh, uh, Tony Rice was really nuts about them. And the reason is they sounded the way he liked. And you know what that was? He hated new strings. He wanted to really work (laughs) strings until the edge was taken off. And they were nice and uh, uh, you know just uniform. uh, No, uh, well, I'm going to say edge to them. And that's what I see in the Monell. They sound like broken-in strings. And that's a cool thing, but it's a subset right? If, if you want flavors and colors, Manel could be one of them for you, but it doesn't make the string overall uh, better made or the advancements that we've gone through on it. it just gives it a different sound. So it's a real personal choice and it is a trend, right? Uh, we had this conversation this morning um, about Adirondack spruce and uh, someone was asking like, uh, how come I don't see Adirondack spruce in our early builds? Because okay. nobody cared about it. You know, except the uh, uh, people that were uh, real aficionados and New Old Martins were Adirondack. And there was nothing special. And most people didn't know what it was. And we didn't have any call for it. And when we did build with it, you know, uh, people didn't even notice. So today I'd say, oh, man, what? What do you think, Rick, 60, 70 percent of our guitars could be Adirondack? I mean, it's just become the standard, right? So yeah, If not more. Oh, uh, what's that?
2: If not more. That's, yeah, so uh, uh, today,
1: <laughs> Manel's the buzz, uh, but Phosphor Bronze was the buzz when it first came out. So not dismissing it, but again, it's a flavor or a color, and that's not what we're doing in strings. We're giving the best we can possibly do, and next year, I want to be able to say the same thing that mm-hmm. we've improved on it. So sorry to run on that, but
0: there you go. no, no i it, no, i I don't think it was a run on it at all. it, it was it was a little bit of a spanking and and, um, <laughs> no. and, and, I, and I, I appreciate that, you know it, 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 I, I could take it no it it is it is um you know you guys were making these really amazing mahogany guitars, and nobody else was making these mahogany guitars. And then all of a sudden, everybody seems to be making mahogany. That's a great example. Yeah, I, I, I it, I think it really, you know, you look around and you just. I, at one point, it was all it was inch and in three quarter X. Everybody had to have that. Nobody it, it, one in sixteenths was.
1: Archaic, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, archaic, and and I find that I I, I went along. I went. I, I drank the Kool Aid on that one. You know, and I, I'd pick up a guitar and I'd say, well, how's the neck? And they'd say, well, it's a 111 16th. And I I wouldn't even bother to listen to it.
1: You know, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, a really good example. Uh, uh, the, the, the flavors thing. Uh, here's a good example. Remember you gave me a wonderful uh, uh, testimonial for using the Santa Cruz parabolic tension strings on your resonator guitar. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, uh, it's come up before. Well, why don't you make a set for a resonator because it would be a gimmick. They already work great on a resonator. No, we would just put a different name on it. Uh, and that's silly. That's not who we are. So, you know, and being genuine in our, our offerings here, uh, maybe it's not the best marketing, but we're not about deception. We're about the real thing.
2: And I'd, I'd like to push that point forward with our strengths too, if, if I may. Um, uh, just like Richard said, we're we're not, we don't tend to follow the trends. Uh, we, we more, we like to follow the science. We have the uh, benefit of working with a Stanford acoustic physicist who's currently working on his thesis. And um, you know, he, he comes in every few weeks and we talk uh, a, a lot about strings, wood guitars, sound, music theory, pretty much everything under the sun. And there's a common theme that uh, not a lot of people, um, uh, market nowadays, which is just as Richard said, it's not really about what is better. Um, it's more about what your personal preferences and what kind of sound yeah. you're trying to get with the music you're making for yourself. Sure. Um, and that's for wood, you know, Adirondack spruce. I've, I had a lot of people come up to me and at NAM and talk about wood and, and, uh, and a lot of people have this perception that Adirondack spruce is better than Sitka, <laughs> yeah. and, And I always have to question, you know, what do you mean by better, like in what way? And so it really comes down to it just depends on what kind of sound you're trying to get out of the guitar, not what is better. And it's it's the same thing, um, you know, with how we build our guitars it's there's no one guitar that we carry that's better than another it's just what you want out of the guitar Um, so we don't really follow trends we tend to follow the science and that really helps us mold our guitars and our strings into uh, what people want out of the sound
1: that's great Rick I don't know the scope of what we have here today Richard but uh, I can't help but uh, add this to us. There is such a misconception and, you know, driven by internet and opinion and human being, the way human beings think. What's the best? You know? Well, what we're talking about with woods, contrary to a lot of folklore, is the woods contribute uh, a degree of, of bright to dark, uh, where we have the EQ is bass to treble, uh, the woods are tone, clear, bright, articulate, to warm, round, blended, right? And in that scale, you'll find uh, the different top woods, let's say, to stick on that. And Adirondack is on the more articulate, clear, and bright end. And they are the best wood for a player like Eric Skye, who wants to play uh, a, every note on the fretboard, have you hear each one separately, and all the nuance he puts into it. He needs a clear, articulate wood, and that's Adirondack. Uh, somebody doing singer-songwriter, uh, uh, rhythm, uh, uh, occasional uh, single line lead, and so forth, would probably do a whole lot better with Sitka without that super clarity, or articulate nature, but just more forgiving, friendly, blended tone. So that's Sitka's the best wood for that player.
2: And. It's the same with our strings. So we do put specific string sets on our specific models, but if you think about it this way, um, when you pluck a string, that string is bending, meaning it's gonna change pitch because it's becoming more tense and less tense. That's how a string bends when you pluck it. Uh, And when you uh, exert a large amount of force on that, that means you're stretching it and it's, it's loosening in a wider range meaning meaning it's changing pitch even more and what that can do is that can lead to inharmonicity where the uh the the overtones can start battling each other and sometimes cancel each other out and you won't have as much sustain or development of overtones or you know it just doesn't sound as complex so if you're a singer songwriter type and you're used to really hammering on your guitar you might want a little more tension in your strings to kind of work against all that energy that you're putting into it. If you're a finger style player, where you used to, you know, finger picking, and not really hammering on the strings, you can get away with a little less tension overall on your strings um, so that you can play lead. Uh, you can bend a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier on the hands, but you're not leading to that inharmonicity that can happen uh, when you're really, really plucking very hard. So you can use a mid-tension set or low-tension set depending on your personal preference. Uh, and, and that's why we want to give all those options. Can.
3: Can I ask perhaps a a stupid question just to hear what your thoughts are on this? How would you compare a low tension set on a standard scale guitar to a mid tension set on a short scale guitar?
2: Great question, and a little too complicated for me to answer right now because it is—it's—it's it's just simply a calculation. I could take those uh, those parameters, put it into a um, a chart that I actually have pre-filled out for um, all of our, uh, you know, uh, everybody at the office, where they can put in the different scale lengths. They can even put in different pitches. They can put in, uh, say, that you're playing some uh, uh, tuning that's not what normally people play right you know it's uh you may have even come up with your own tuning i can put in the pitch of each string at your scale length and uh and tell you exactly how that adjusts your tensions whether it's for the better for the worse um if they're going to be a little less balanced and maybe we can even offer uh some some ideas on how to you buy a mid and a tension and you mix a couple you never know it's uh it, you can really go that deep into it um and again i have a a a, a Spreadsheet that has all the formulas built in to take care of all of that.
1: That's great, so, cool. thanks, Rick. I'll give you the artistic answer, uh, <laughs> yeah. um So there's a there there's an unfortunate folklore that oh smaller guitars put light gauge strings on because they're tinier and light gauge strings are tinier, um, and it's it's a fallacy. Uh, the 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 longer the the string length or scale length, the more tension it takes to bring it up to the same pitch on a uh, than on a, a, a shorter scale length, so uh, the shorter scale length uh, guitar is going to be less tension to bring it up to concert pitch, and to put a higher tension string on that, uh, it would be a good thing to balance it out. So you could come out even, right? And, and you know, as Rick has talked, I doubt it comes out even, but they're compensating both directions on that right? Uh, higher tension string on a shorter scale to bring the tension up, make it louder and so forth. But again, some people want that, some people don't. Loud is not good in itself. It's, it's like a, it's a quantity, not a quality. So, right. Uh, right. You know, w- unless the guitar was built ultra light and somebody recommends never, never put anything on this but extra light strings, um, it's good to, it's a cheap experiment to find out. And, and here's an important thing. When you change tensions on your guitar, uh, your action will change, your neck relief will change. And it's a good idea to have your luthier, luthier uh, check your uh, specs before and after you change strings and be able to adjust for it and make it as, uh, equally playable.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's just interesting because I know that there is uh, among a lot of the um... Uh, higher end solo builders uh, it's becoming more common to see fan fret designs with the idea that you're affecting the tension on the strings differently across the uh, fretboard Um, and you know I don't understand the physics behind it obviously I I, I like the artistic answers Richard thank you Um, (laughs) but uh, it's, it's interesting to see how people are paying more attention to how Tension and scale length and all these other factors play into the playability of an instrument.
1: Absolutely, and and this is you know a fan fret guitar is exactly what you talked about. It's to it's to make the scale length longer uh, on uh, uh, the lower strings and higher on the others, um, and you have and you and you bring the tensions more into a cohesive uh, 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 a unified. Uh, feel and sound, et cetera. Um, and we're doing that with strings. Right. So I'm not saying our strings replace a fan fret, uh, but it's we're doing the same thing. Now, uh, um, you know, fan frets are are I, I guess we credit Ralph Novak for that. am I right?
3: Uh, he was so, one of the early, to, yeah, he was one of the early builders, I think.
1: yeah, I'd like to give him a shout out for that. Um, uh, uh, however, can, you know I'm gonna say this, can you imagine entering the market today as an individual builder and trying to get noticed? It, no. is, it is like crazy thick feel. And we could, we all publish our own magazine today, right? So it's hard. And and to have something unique that draws attention and gets people talking about you, I'm afraid it's pretty necessary, you know? Uh, we did it just on as Rick's, so. Uh said, on fundamentals, right? And we built on fundamentals and we showed people we can make a better guitar. Uh, but man, if it was hard for us to get noticed back then, um, I can imagine what it's like today.
3: So, okay, so the, let's take this to the 12 string and the baritone real quick. Uh, I assume your baritone sets are uh, designed primarily for your 27 inch scale baritones. Um, and is there any other consideration you had when you made those strings? I know that one of the problems with some baritones is that if you get too much harmonic content, um, it can make the the baritone sound kind of muddy. Um, yeah,
1: and it shouldn't sound like a piano. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you know, we address that with the quality of the string uh, to start with. And, and Rick, what consider special considerations, anything different from uh, doing like uh, our other sets that we did for the baritone?
2: Yeah. So the baritone was a little bit harder because we had to kind of start from square one with the, you know, baritones, a special tuning, a special scale length. So there wasn't really anything I could just adapt from our normal strings. We had to really go back to the fundamentals and think about playability, um, equal loudness contours, and how to limit inharmonicity to have lasting sustain. So... With that, we you know we did a bunch of trials and tests. We have a a, a system that we work off of to get there, and really the thing that was very noticeable, and it, it speaks to exactly what you said, the muddiness of um, when you get down to the baritone tuning, is um, it really seemed like uh, it was hard to get the low end responsive enough. Uh, In the strings, meaning it seemed like the rest of the strings had uh, overpowered um, specifically, you know, the lowest string. And it was really hard to find the perfect tension to make sure that that string was noticeable and, and fit within the equal loudness contours. We did it. Um, but it did take a little bit more tension than people are normally used to. And that's maybe something you'll notice um, on our, on our baritone strings is like uh, if you were to buy a set of any other maker, you'll probably notice the, 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 the lower string is is a little bit slacker than, than our string. Um, but it, when, What really helped out with that is uh, when I was playing it, so again, to get equal feel is really hard. And I wouldn't say we've perfected it yet, but we've gotten pretty close. The reason being is when you fret a string and you press on it with your finger, um, your finger is acting in a different position no matter where you're playing, meaning, you know, uh, when you hit that low string, you're really stretching your finger and it's, it's, it's pressing on that string in a different way than when you're playing, say, the highest string, when you you curl your finger over and you can press down uh, that. So it's like that um, that that different motion that you're pressing on a string really affects its uh, playability. And so it seems to be that there's more force that you can enact when your fingers outstretched, and therefore you can that extra tension. You don't really notice it. It's not like you're. It it's uh, it feels more tense. It it does feel uh, equal across all strings. So we got there. Um, it was just a little bit harder with the baritone. Um, but and now what we have is a string set that doesn't sound as muddy. It really sounds equal across the, every single note that you play. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy with that one. That one came out the best, and it, it drove me to want to uh, build a baritone for myself. Well,
3: this is why I'm asking this, uh, is having a couple of Brosmans in my closet. Uh, mm-hmm. I have played with strings a, a great deal. And I I played with everything from some sets that feel like they're made from uh, suspension bridge cables uh, to just using standard, you know, heavy gauge or even medium gauge, just to try and find something that works with with each of these instruments. Um, And so I'm going to be very excited to actually try those out. I, I, I can't wait to actually get a couple of sets of those on and see how they work. But let me ask you this. Since you're talking about trying to maintain even tension, uh are you then recommending a specific tuning for the 27-inch scale, or is there a little bit of range of tuning that can be done with those?
2: Definitely oops hold on. Am I off a of mute? Sorry. <laughs> definitely <laughs> a range of definitely a range of tuning. Um it, it, we did base it off of a specific tuning, but we did uh try to test um many of the baritone tunings you may enter into Mm -hmm. and it it did uh it would adjust it in certain in certain ways but what we found is uh with certain tunings what you would lose you would gain something else um and really they i don't think they're they weren't far enough off of each other to make that big of a difference because you got to remember this um uh, uh, when you're changing the pitch and you're changing the tension, it's not like it's radically changing the tension, right? the The, the strings have to be tense enough to actually create a note. So it's right. not like all of a sudden you're going down so far in pitch that it's slack on your guitar and you you, you can't play anything, right? So yeah. um, it's not as as big of a jump as you as it may seem, uh, which allows our strings to really uh, be very beneficial in all different baritone tunings.
3: Well, do you have do you have one that that is kind of like the target? Is it like a C or a C sharp or?
2: You got it, C, yeah. C. Okay. It,
1: it was you know, and, and designing the original with the artist um, uh, with a, a ton of experience in uh, uh, using baritones that's what we came up with as the standard and as rick said we found if we if we standardize from there the other tunings that people will go into the relationships are close enough it would be crazy to make a, a set for each tuning
3: yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. it would in fact would
3: be necessary really all right so all that's left is the 12 string what's special and unique about that i mean what is uh just how tiny do you get now on the uh the breaker string? Well,
1: let me let me uh, again, I'm going to let Rick continue on with his uh, theme there. But I'm going to say that for this um, twelve strings like twelve string guitars uh, have mostly been an afterthought. Like oh yeah, then there's the twelve string. So in, in the construction of most uh, commercial 12 strings, it's like, okay, put twice as heavy a braces on because there's twice as many strings and uh, uh, use the same gears, but double them up. So a lot of 12 strings, you put them in your lap and they, and they fall on the floor head first because the, the pig head's so heavy, right? Um, or uh, the top is so overbuilt to, to deal with the tension that it, it's not, so it only counts on the the volume of the noise of the strings, and most of them sound really jangly and not very uh, uh, gratifying to hear. Uh, so same with the strings. It's like, okay, well, let's put a light gauge set and then uh, and then the unwound strings with them. And it was like a 12 strings weren't easy to play because of that illogical tensions that you dealt with. So that was the premise on this. It's a, it's a great... Uh, uh, iteration to improve a bond from what was commercially available. And then we did. Uh, Rick, you were just going to say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, the 12-string set was twice as complicated. Um, and really, it was... it. You press the two strings together at once, and that's what kind of made it complicated, because if one string felt significantly more tense than the other, you can kind of feel that difference. And also, we have to have each of those sets across all 12 strings um, work work together to uh, feel good. Um, across the whole set. So it really, I I wish I could say that there was some kind of, um, easy formula that we followed to get there, but it was kind of stumbling forward for a bit. Um, and then once we got our foundation, Uh, then we could use the formulas that we went through before to really dial that in. And uh, the 12 string took the longest. um, And I would say it took a lot of back and forth between um, us and our, uh, uh, the, the Stanford acoustic physicists that we've been working with just for the equal loudness contours, because again, double the strings means uh, double the calculation. Um, So, uh, at the end, I'm pretty happy with them. Again, we we we've thought about is it necessary to go into a you know a low tension, mid tension, uh, heavy tension type thing, uh, but I don't think we need to. I think they'll speak for themselves. You put them on your guitar, they play beautifully, and I don't see you needing any other set.
1: Yeah, um, I, 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 you know, something I wanted to make sure is not we don't overlook here or blow past is we're talking about the you know the real serious science that went into the development of these strings, uh, but but I don't want to overlook the uh, beta testing with uh, artists. You know, all of our iterations went to different people, and there was as many opinions that came back. But there was really good information that allowed us to um, uh, uh, have something that would please most of the people most of the time. So, uh, you know, real real uh, field testing was important too. I
0: I, I thought that that I I had and 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 tested played like butter. I mean, I yeah. hate I hate to use that that phrase because it's way overdone, but. The play- There's a reason
1: cliches get repeated.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the the playability of the guitar went from okay to oh wow,
1: awesome.
0: You know, just 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 made it a big a big thing like that.
3: Well, um, and I'm looking forward to the fact that these strings on my other guitars hold up so well for so long, yeah. um, having that same kind of, of quality of sound with longevity of usefulness. Uh, on a twelve string is just a, a triple win. Yeah,
1: it, that's great. Um, as you guys know from on the forums, it's like some people won't even consider them uh, because of price. The same reason manufacturers make ten dollars strings, right? Is like I don't care what they are. I'm not paying you know three times the cost for uh, any darn strings. Um, but the fact that that we get constant reports that they last three times longer just because of the precision of manufacture, um, uh, they're missing that point. Oh, you know, you pay the same, but you only have to change them uh, one third of the time. <laughs> How's that for a marketing pitch? I, uh, I,
0: I I think the set of dad gads that I've had four months now, five months. Oh, cool. Yeah, just, just, just.
1: Keeps that's going. a great
0: testimonial. Yeah, they just keep going, you know. So uh, 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 that that's fantastic. Um,
1: Thanks for the chance to let us talk about that. But I know you have more agenda there, so.
0: Yeah, worry. no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask if you wanted to. If you wanted to give us any little thoughts on Nam, I I know you have an out that that, that we're gonna try to to hit here. So. Uh, well, you know. Before,
3: before we wait leave a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We we, we did have one. <laughs> question from uh, one of the Santa Cruz guitar owners on okay. Facebook about the packaging on the strings. Right. Um, I guess there's been a change now to how they're being packaged. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, there is. There's a couple of things. Um, uh, live and learn. You know, we are, uh, you know, uh, I've changed strings for uh, half a century. And I, th- and we often forget that we're all beginners at one point and we operate at an expert level and assume other people can. One of them is we packaged our strings, uh, 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 you know, so that we just figured, you know, you can pick them out and you can see relatively size relative sizes and it's no problem sorting them out. But for some people that's really hard. And, uh, uh what we just did is we've now coated the ball ends uh, uh, alternately with, uh, with uh, brass and with uh, uh, nickel. So they go like gold, silver, gold, silver, gold, silver, and you can pick them out really easily by that and do it. Also, we had difficulty in shipping um, uh, to Asia, specifically, where people were having corrosion problems. We go, you know, we've got this proprietary uh, 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 atmospheric treatment that keeps them from uh, corroding, but they're also in a, sealed in a package, and that's what maybe they're referring to. We changed from a paper package to a airtight seal so we can ship them overseas without corrosion. And still, we're having problems with, uh, with uh, the ends of the string poking through there and letting that happen. So, uh, continuous improvement again, uh, we have improved that packaging and, you know, I'm the same way. I get a product that I have bought for a long time, the package changes and it makes me nervous. But all the packaging changes are all for uh, improvement of uh, stability, longevity, that kind of thing. We've also gone from uh, this, uh, uh, even though arguably recyclable plastic package, uh, uh, we're going to a little paper recyclable box that they'll go in. So again, our packaging changes are for improvement, not for uh, whimsy or cost savings. Is there yep. anything else that you remember? I am doing some graphic changes, but that's that's how it is, you know? You just, you like,
3: yeah, the cool. only thing I would ask is that you leave a little bit of blank space on the cover of the package so that when I change my strings, I can rip that cover off and write the date on and slip it in the guitar case so that I remember when I changed them. Right now, the cover is so dark, I have to find a white pen to write on it in order to get the date on there.
0: <laughs> maybe, wow. the, maybe, maybe the inside of the package.
3: I consider myself
1: appropriately upgraded.
3: <laughs> well, the problem is the strings last so long, and, and they still sound good. And you find yourself playing going, God, when did I last change the strings on this? Oh, door case And you look inside and go... Oh really? Has it been a year and a half? <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll, you be sure I'm going to puzzle over that. Thank you. Uh,
0: do you want to? Do you want to give us a, a little overview in Nam? It looks like I you sure
1: were, I sure would.
0: Looks like you were uh, having a lot of fun down there.
1: Okay, so oh yeah, it was. Now I understand we're we're just we're coming um, out of the darkness into the light from a three-year hiatus in uh, going to trade shows, festivals and so forth. And uh, uh, like all companies, uh, you know you find other ways to promote yourself and get things done. And uh, on the bottom line it looks, eh, look, what's the difference? Why do we have to go to a trade show? And uh, this year, uh, some of the biggest companies were absent. And that's the reason is because they found other ways to spend their money and they don't think they need, uh, the show to get business done. And uh, like I've said before, most companies don't sell their guitars on sound. Uh, our playability uh, 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 and marginally cosmetic, they sell them through marketing, right? You spend your money, you're loud enough, you'll sell more guitars. So when it comes to us, where it's really the experience with the guitar, uh, seeing it, feeling it, touching it, that's important. Uh, the, the, the the trade show is important to us. The Anaheim show is still an international show, so it's a place to be seen on the world stage. And most important of all, uh, you know, oftentimes we've had the discussion about the cost, which is a lot to do that. The time, the destruction of business, and then we have to hold 18 guitars from shipping uh, for uh, you know probably three weeks to a month. That's a big cost. But what it is It's the opportunities you have no idea that would exist until you're there. Um, The serendipity of meetings, uh, of uh, sometimes people that you do business with for years, um, uh, where we used to talk on the phone, now we send uh, texts and and emails, and something gets lost. And when you sit down at a table for a few minutes, um, uh, opportunities come up you would never have imagined, and we get richer for it. So it's super well worth it for us. The absence of a lot of big companies there uh, made us stand out. Even some of the boutiques only had uh, offices and therefore our, dis- our full display of guitars was really, really amplified. I got the most gratification out of once again, connecting with people that without trade shows, I wouldn't have a relationship. Um, I've been at this long enough that I have really good friends that I see once a year uh, or twice a year maybe, uh, and at uh, trade shows. And uh, we, we had lost that contact through COVID. So a couple of them that were wonderful for me is I have a few uh, uh, wood people that I'm in the third generation. I uh, you know, went from grandpa to father to son. And uh, I hadn't seen those people in a long time. And as I turned uh, purchasing over to my really qualified professionals at Santa Cruz Guitar, I wasn't talking to them. And to sit down at a table with sometimes two or three generations and rekindle the relationship, um, we got stuff cooking that had been lost before. Um, and that was probably the most moving part. Uh, the yogis from India, uh, the Kollitz, uh German spruce suppliers from Germany, uh, Bachman uh, from uh, Italian-Swiss border, and I've known these people forever, and the, and the sitting down and talking uh, was just really rewarding, and we'll do better business because of it. Um, uh, uh, let me see, I took a couple of notes on the things that happened here. Um, the, uh, uh, I, of course, can't read that. Um, (laughs) Oh, I know what it was. Uh, It's just, it's the serendipity again of people walking up and you go, and we go, oh, yeah, I remember you. Hi, so and so. And my style was was like, what was it that, that happened that we quit talking to each other? I can't remember. And the other person would puzzle for a while and come up and go, oh, that's what it was. You know, um, or that's what it wasn't. We just we we had change in personnel. And we got disconnected, and sometimes amends were necessary. Oh, I remember that disconnect or that problem. So glad to see you because it's been on my mind uh, to settle that, have one less brick to carry, and have some peace of mind. Uh, the, the opposites worked also. Um, I ran into a wood vendor that I was really glad to see because I always enjoyed them, haven't dealt with them for years. And as uh, we began talking, I started to remember why. <laughs> and uh, the uh, 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 yeah, as uh, we talked about the stuff and I remember his business practices, I went, okay, well, good. I remember that one again, so I'll be careful there. So just this wonderful uh connection of stuff between um, uh, the trade and the public. So I went, I had a mission there also. I wanted to talk to uh, the other boutique makers about our strings uh, because in bulk, we can do a pretty good price. And and I think they'd improve the sound of their guitars if they used them. And again, we can scale and get our prices down. Also, uh, we are, um, we have new capacity uh, that would allow us to do uh, like neck carves and custom neck carves uh, at, at a way lower cost than most people could do. And even though most companies are set up for uh, now either seeing their necks or have somebody do it, it's costly for them and it's distracting. And if they want to do a, a limited edition or a custom run, they no longer have anybody there that can carve next and it's a big deal to program. Uh, so with technology of being able to 3D scan and work with maybe five axis uh, CNC, we can do it better. And I, I'm, I was seriously talking to uh, the, the major names of allowing to do contract worth in that regard. So that's both a pitch and illustration of making a living and paying Twenty families by making guitars is a constant challenge. It's hard, and we're always trying to do ways to come up with different uh, ways we can uh, monetize uh, our knowledge, our reputation, etc. So there's the there's the. Uh, last aspect, which is, we had a great response. Um, uh, we had, you know, many, many requests for new dealerships. Uh, we had dealers that forgot how cool our guitars were that were re-energized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of orders, uh, a lot of custom appreciation, and a lot of new woods. So we'll be talking about some new wood opportunities I ran in there too. Right. What What was cool for you,
2: Rick? There was uh, three things of note. I'd like to focus on our guitars because there was three guitars that drew people in over and over and over again. Um, I would say our most notable was we had a um, a 1934 OM with uh, Brazilian back and sides and a redwood top. And you know it wasn't it wasn't like it was a 45 style. It wasn't too flashy. It had a really nice inlay on it. Um, but what really drew people in was that redwood top. And it's it was awesome to see people getting excited about redwood because that's not not you know everybody loves adirondack um you know uh, german spruce italian spruce but redwood is it 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 needs a, a bigger audience so that was great it's it was it was just weird to see people drawn into that guitar specifically every when there's a 45 style 1934 d not two guitars away um you know with the abalone uh 45 style all around it so the other uh, uh big showstopper was our little firefly we had a brazilian firefly sitting on the wall um and you know everybody says it's a cute guitar and then they pick it out and realize that it's almost as loud as our dreadnoughts um and so they're they're shocked that they can hear they can hear it cutting through the noise of nam and uh so that was it was really exciting to see so many people get excited about uh you know redwood and that little firefly especially uh the brazilian just looked beautiful on it and uh you could probably see pictures on our instagram or facebook or online um it's just a beautiful guitar
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great, Rick. You know, uh, uh, a credit I want to give here is uh, we took uh, uh, Catfish Keith's signature model, which is a very cool guitar. And uh, Catfish and his wonderful wife, Penny, uh, joined joined us there and stayed at the house we stay at. And they were a delight. And Catfish performed a lot at the booth and really attracted uh, people who had no idea, uh, had never heard that kind of music before. And uh, and here's a guy with this little guitar, you know, that people go, oh, little guitar, that means it's quiet and kind of mellow and so forth. <clears throat> <laughs>
0: no,
1: no he, he kicked ass mm. with it. And uh really brought us a new appreciation and audience for that instrument. And uh it, it looked great, sounded great, and catfish was a wonderful addition to the to the ethos of our booth.
0: Yeah, I I saw a lot of photographs from him. I I I, I cherish him as one of the really, really he is he is living it. You yeah. know. He is he is living it and, and I really cherish that and it's showing up. I mean he was nominated for two or three things this year and and uh deserved the, 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 the music he's putting out is fresh.
1: I, uh, I, I really agree and and a quick one for the ones that couldn't come this year that are stalwarts with us and just because of the weirdness of Nam changing the dates they were had conflicts uh, but Eric Skye, Jimmy Stilway, um, uh, uh, Bill Nershey, Scott Law, um, uh, Happy Trump, uh, yeah, they were sorely missed.
0: Yeah it 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 it's a different world. It's you know, it, it's a it different is. thing. It, and and uh, it, it it's funny when I listen to you talk about it that it really it really does. I know your feelings about Nam, and and it really is a time when you can be one on one with somebody.
3: Mm-hmm. You and know
1: that that uh, oh, I'm sorry if I interrupted you. No. Um, that's becoming increasingly rare. Yeah. Uh, it's not that people don't enjoy it when they're doing it, but they forget because that's not the way information flows now. Uh, we're being kept from talking to people in our commerce all the time. If you try to, you know, get a customer service or whatever, we're just we're kept away from each other. Um, and uh, information flows differently, and people spend their money differently. And uh, yeah, we talked about it. Link, Richard. Uh, I I am really grateful for Nam and their contribution to our success and our career, and most trade organizations as well. Uh, and the trade organizations fund themselves from these big trade shows; that's the revenue source. And the the institution is waning in relevance through no fault of the trade organizations. It's that it's the you know, explain it on the internet, if you will. But the way we buy, sell, and communicate with each other is not face to face. And uh, money's not spent that way. And and a further blow, I mean, this was happening anyway, but the big blow with COVID is people stopped going anywhere. They learned how to do it otherwise. And a company like uh, uh, Fender found different ways to spend their marketing money. And they found they were very effective. They were easily targeted and uh, they found more benefit. And they won't find the trade show relevant in that regard. And it really hurts me, you know, because, uh, uh, I, you know, we founded our business on relationships, uh, and uh, you know that's not the future.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's it, that's that's a little frightening to say, but it's <laughs> it's probably <laughs> very very true. You know that that we've had to uh, change, change change was change was forced upon us, not you know not brought upon us, but it was forced upon us and. It's a, it's, we're used to an evolutionary change. We're used to a slow thing, you know, we're used to something slower and when Mm -hmm. something is big as, as it it really is.
1: Yeah, we don't like change unless it's our idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. And, and, and it really, it really is a a complete 180, 180, degree thing from it. You know, we would see Nam three years ago or four years ago and there'd be Eighty people dressed up like Kiss, and you know, you, you, <laughs> you, you your your head would ring for for six six years afterwards, you know, and and you know maybe that's that that that's the you know that that's the new thing. But also, there's a there's a great new book out called um, The Birth Allowed.
1: Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. Talk to that guy.
0: Yeah, and it's um, it's really fascinating, and it's it's Leo and 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 Les, and it's their stories, yeah. yeah, simultaneously the happening, and and you see why somebody did it, you know, and, uh-huh. and and yet we would never have that kind of thing today. That
1: no, that, we we wouldn't. And I'm going to stray anecdotal for a second here. I go back so far in uh, my (laughs) business career that I remember dealing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, communicating with dealers and saying, you know, they were talking about either problems with sales or whatever. I said, you know, I don't see you listed in the phone book. You don't have like a display ad. And they go, there's no reason this for being the yellow pages. Everybody knows where we are.
0: What? The what?
1: Uh, there's no reason for it no, to be the used. what? The what? To, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, son. <laughs> um, it, it used to be a book, a printed book with people's phone numbers and advertisements for their business, and sometimes prices that were the same for years. How about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's
1: uh, done on a typewriter.
0: Yeah, a what? So, <laughs> but anyway, that
1: that relevance. I don't need this new technology because. You know and then of course where are they yeah so staying relevant is one of the most important jobs for me today uh uh in everything communication uh everything but my moral competence and the quality of relationships
0: it, and it sounds like nam lets you
1: practice move,
0: that yeah. move that ball down the field you know it, exactly. it, yeah, that's really great. I know that I know that everybody's got a time slot here so I'm just going to say thank you so much for for doing this today Rick. I can't figure thank out I can't figure out Rick if that's a background behind you but then everyone yep. And then every once in a while, I see a bug fly by, and I know that I know that you're I know that you're in New York when it's it, because some of them are pretty big. I, there was one that was kind of buzzing around your shoulder that was, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: pretty paradise there.
0: Look at, that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look at that. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, Richard. This is always fun. I love talking about strings, guitars, uh, Nam, and just. Seeing your guys' face again, you know, it's been yeah. a long time, and uh, I get to see Tad here and there. His face pops up in random places, um, uh, but I don't get to see, I don't get to see you too often. So it's great to jump on here, talk with you, and yeah. listen to Richard's stories because that's always the best part. How beautiful,
1: Rick, and I have a blast uh, doing this every day, and it's kind of neat to share it. Very neat to share it. Thanks, you guys, for uh, the forum and the podcast and the immense amount of work you have to do to keep the shiny side up on all this. Uh, increasing challenges to moderating a forum these days. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're indefatigable and a, a, a real jewel.
0: Well, appreciate it. And you guys have a great day, okay? It's a deal. Thank you. Thank you, well. you
1: guys. Be well, peace, you well, Rick. Peace out.
0: All the best. We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. For more music-related fun, please join the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at scgcpf or santacruzguitarplayers.com. If you have any questions or possible podcast topics, please contact us. If you have a product or service that you feel would be of value to our listeners, please consider adding your support and keeping the coffee pot on Contact us for more information. We ask that you hit the like, follow, bell, or bookmark buttons so we can keep you informed of upcoming podcast episodes. We hope you enjoyed Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Now it's time to go play your guitar.